0: tonight. We're going to read out of Second Kings chapter number 2. Just want to read one verse, verse number 9. We'll, we'll expound on a few more verses than that, but I want to use that just as our key text. Second Kings chapter number two. As you're uh, finding your text, I do wanna say that uh, say thank you to Brother Jason who's been working behind the scenes, shaking his head. No, he don't want no recognition, but he's been laboring in that yeah. on that sound stuff. And uh, we're uh, we've bought uh, Pro Presenter, which is a program, and uh, hopefully in the near future we're gonna start using these monitors to engage, but we're trying to kind of figure that program out. And he's been working on a, on a new website because our old website was audio only. And uh, because I know nothing about all that stuff, Brother Rick tried to show me uh, before they left how to take all of our recordings here and put it into the website. But our recording volume was too low and he would use another app to adjust the volume up and all that kind of stuff and I, it was just over my pay grade and, and so that hasn't uh that ha- that website hasn't been updated for lord probably four years but we still have people that go to that website and they listen to it there are thousands of messages embedded on that website it has over uh it's been a while back, Brother Corey looked at it. It has over 2 million listens on that website over the years. So uh, it is a great, great tool. And uh, so I just left it up there. And uh, so we still pay for that website. Brother Jason's been working on a new one. We'll actually be able to put the uh, the live stream on, a, on our website. And uh, a lot of people don't have Facebook and don't want Facebook. And it'll just be a, another means that those that count our church as a home church would be able, in a in a spot that's not Facebook, they'd be able to be in service with us. Uh, Brother Jason's been able to take the audio off the video, and uh, we've got a Spotify channel now. And if you look up Bible Way Assembly on Spotify, it's the logo that's on the. On the sign out front is our Spotify, and uh, you can people can listen to the audio off that. Some of the out-of-state people that don't do Facebook, that's where I'll be sending them uh, until our website gets gets fully up and going. And that website's just going to be BibleWayAssembly.com. So uh, uh, we got some good things in in, in the works, and uh, I'm excited about what the Lord's doing, not just on the media front, but right here in the house. There's been some exciting Amen. things going on. And I'm so grateful. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number nine, and it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. I want to preach on the path to power. The path to power. Father, we thank you for your word. God, again, we ask you that you'll speak to our heart through the word of God and by your spirit. You knew who would be here, you've ordained this service for us maybe for those that are watching or listening at home. But God, I pray tonight you'll pour your spirit out upon this house, upon this sanctuary, but more importantly, upon your people. God, I pray that you would, God begin to take us by the hand and walk us down this pathway to power. God, it's your will for us to be endued with power from on high. I pray you'd fill us one and fill us all in this house tonight. God, we're known to be a Pentecostal church, but let us not be known to be Pentecostal in word only, but also in deed, oh God, also in spirit. God, I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. Out of a very obscure background, kind of an unknown history or background, Elijah just appears on the scene of Bible history. And the Bible said that he was a man of like passions, the same as we are, his conduct and his miracles that God wrought through him soon distinguished him from all other men. He was one of the premier prophets of the Old Testament. God wrought unspeakable miracles through this man of God about which we knew very, very little. At his command, the heavens became as brass and the clouds closed or shut their doors so that the Bible said it did not rain for the space of three and a half years. Neither was there any dew upon the earth. And likewise, when occasion demanded it, the Bible said he called down fire out of heaven and consumed the enemies of the Lord. And after being tormented by Jezebel for the stand that he took against the prophet or the prophets of Baal, he resorted to Mount Horeb where God spoke to him in a still, small voice. When he departed from that mount, he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing in the fields with a yoke of oxen, and Elijah passed by this young man, and he cast, the Bible said, his mantle upon him, and the mantle was a symbol of God's presence in the life of Elijah. The mantle was a type of the anointing that rested upon that man of God's life. And it was God after the episode where Elijah becomes so discouraged and so despondent that God could hardly get him to come out of the cave. And when he left the cave, God said, what doest thou here in this cave, Elijah? It took the still, small voice of God to get him to go on his journey, but he didn't get very far before he found the, the the shade of a juniper tree and he just lay down and he said, Lord, it's just enough. It's enough. I've been through enough. I'm not any better than my forefathers. Just let me die. And the angel of the Lord came and made a fire and, and baked cake upon the fire and said, want you to rise up and eat to There was a cruise of water. I want you to eat and drink because the journey's too great for you. You're not finished yet. And he did. He rose and ate and drank and amazing wonders. He lay right back down and went to sleep again. And the angel of the Lord stayed and God's long bearing and he's, uh, he's patient and he's kind and he's good and God wouldn't let him just lay down and die. You see, we've got a Even if you feel weary and well-doing, you can't stop. You can't just uh, lay down and die. We, uh, you know, as elders in the Pentecostal church have a very important task at hand before we leave or before the Lord comes, and that is for the generation that is following behind us, we must, we must see them filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. It's ours to do. This is my heritage. This is, uh, you know, what I've known my whole life as far as uh, the Pentecostal church, my grandpa being an old man and saying to me years prior to me getting saved, he, he said, do you know that God has told me that before I die, he's gonna raise up a light in my family that there will be... A light and a witness in this family before I die, God. He would always say, "God told me to tell you it just might be you," and I'd say, "No, Grandpa, it's not me. I'm going to play baseball. I'm going to college. I'm I'm doing this. i, I this is my plan. And you know, I I just preaching ain't it ain't for me." He said, "Well, why not you?" And I I I don't know, Grandpa. I just don't feel like it's going to be me. That man kept praying. And do you know that God saved me? And when, uh, after God had called me to preach, he would call me in the living room. He'd he'd say, come in here and pray with me. He said, church I go to. He said, man, he said, there's just no life there. He said, I need God to raise somebody up or send a man to Baldwin County that believes like I believe and will preach. I want to sit under that kind of preaching. I'd get down beside him on the couch and say, oh God, raise somebody up. Send somebody over here to Grandpa Lord's gonna preach to it." I look back on it now and I smile, he's praying me over here. (laughs) I was just too naive to know it. (laughs) And before he died, I was was his pastor, but uh, he died in peace and he died knowing that God had fulfilled (laughs) His word and His will in my life and that's our job to do. You're not finished until God takes what He's done in you and replicates that in the next generation. We, we have to perpetuate the Pentecost in the land or there's no hope for our tomorrow. I've often said if you look at what our nation is becoming, if something don't happen and one more generation passes, the next generation wants socialism, which is a modern-day form of communism. And America, as we know it, will have ceased to exist. I think a big part of that lies at the feet of the church. Either we're going to have revival or we're going to have ruin. And you can't tell me that God's going to send revival through religion. He's not. God's going to send revival through the outpouring of his spirit and the infilling of his church. And this is what we this is the picture we see. God's just basically telling Elijah, you're not going anywhere until that mantle is placed upon somebody else that'll finish what you started. And if you see this as a type of Christ and the double portion of his spirit or the mantle of Elijah being the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon the church and Jesus said the work that I have done, greater work shall you do because I'm going to my Father. I'm gonna pray the Father and he's gonna send you another comforter which is the Holy Ghost. I see this as a type a picture of Christ and the church, this Elijah and Elisha story. This mantle being a symbol of God's spirit and presence and power. And immediately Elisha left the yoke of oxen where he was plowing when Elijah cast the mantle on him. And the Bible said he took uh, the yokes uh, and he broke them in pieces and burned them uh, and he sacrificed uh, the oxen over the fire where he had burned the yoke. I wanna tell you for Elisha, he was, it was a symbol of him saying, there's no turning back from me. And that's where the path to power starts is there's no quit in a child of God. There's no looking back, Jesus said a man, when he puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom. If there's any quit in you, you will quit. If there's something in you that'll turn back on God, the devil will find it out. Uh, This world will expose it uh, and there'll be a million and one exit ramps uh, on your way to glory. He burned the plow and sacrificed the ox and told his parents uh, goodbye. I'm leaving. I'm on a journey with God. I won't ever be back. I don't know where this journey's going to take me. I may be by every once in a while to visit, uh, but my life will never be the same. The call of God is upon me. I'll never plow again. I'm gonna be a man of God. That has to be your resolve. I'm in this uh, until Jesus comes, uh, or my heart quits beating. There's no looking back. Uh, There's no turning back. Uh, There's nothing else left in the world for me. I have decided to follow Jesus. He asked Elijah to allow him to bid farewell to his mother and father and then later to follow him. And Elijah said, go back again. What have I done to thee? Well, you don't owe me nothing. Just go back. It's no bother to me if you come or if you stay. Elijah was aware of what he had done to this young man, but uh, He wanted an expression from Elisha as to why he desired to follow him. Elisha arose and went after Elijah, and the Bible said he ministered unto him. And in Elisha's quest for power, I want a double portion of the spirit that's upon you. Three things were prominent, and I want to preach on those three things because they're key in our quest for the power of the holy ghost number 1 persistence number 2 desire and number 3 an emptying of yourself of everything you are which gives you an openness to all god has for you yeah. man as i was praying for this service uh, i could just see some of your faces and one of the one of the things that uh, yeah, I'm not God, but I am your pastor. And one of the things uh, that I've been praying for you about specifically, a specific prayer request uh, is desire. God, I just don't see the desire. Lord, you are going to have to do a work in their heart to create a desire in them. You can't make a man drink, you can't make a man or a woman eat they have to uh, seemingly work up an appetite somebody said you can lead a horse to the water but you can't make him drink and my good friend brother Joseph Chambers said that's not true brother Eddie (laughs) he said if you give him saltine crackers or you give him some salt chips or salt cubes, uh, something really salty, when he gets done with that, uh, he's going to drink. The Bible said we're the salt of the earth, so all I know is uh, if if the desire's lacking, some of us need to start being a little more salty, amen. We need to start being a little more salty as the church to make those that follow us a little more thirsty. First, I want us to look at uh, Elisha's persistence. His persistence uh, in receiving this double portion. This journey on this path to power was an eight-year journey. For eight years, uh, Elisha is following in the footsteps uh, of Elijah. He watched the miracles that Elijah performed, and he would minister unto him. He was a servant unto him. He wasn't satisfied with merely touching Elijah's mantle, but he diligently pursued him for a double portion of the spirit of God that Elijah had. He felt a touch of the spirit on the first day that he ever came in contact with that mantle. But I believe, I sincerely believe that no man or woman who is genuinely born of God can fully be satisfied until he or she has received a double portion of the spirit of God that Christ poured out upon the church. I know he touched us the, the, the day we got saved, the, the moment we were born again. But from that moment to this, in your journey and in your walk with God, he has been leading you on a path to power. Yes. Amen. Yes, he, he, he said, "Tarry until yes. you be endued with power from on high, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Not that you would witness, uh, but that you would be a witness. Uh, You will be this message. Uh, You will be an illustration of this Bible. You'll be an open epistle known and read of all men. You'll pray for the sick and they'll recover. Hallelujah to God. You'll be the witness of Christ. You'll be his body in the earth. Evidently it had become common knowledge that Elijah was to be transported or taken to glory without seeing death. This was it it was shown by Obadiah when he met Elijah while looking for grass. The king Ahab had sent Obadiah in 1 Kings chapter 18. It had rained for three and a half years and Ahab sent Obadiah on an expedition to all the old watering holes, all the springs and all of the fountain heads and said, go to all the known places where we've had water throughout the years, uh, where there's always been an oasis and places of grass and pasture and see if you can find for us uh, green grass. It was while on this expedition that Obadiah runs into Elijah. And Elijah told him to take a message to Ahab for him. He said, Lord of mercy, are you trying to get me killed? This was also expressed by the conversation of the sons of the prophets at Bethel and Jericho. Obadiah said, You're going to send me back with a message to the king to meet you at Carmel. Because Elijah said, I want him to meet me there. And it was a showdown of type on, on Mount Carmel and the God who answers by fire, let him be God. But Obadiah said, I go tell him that you're gonna be there on Carmel and the Lord takes you up and you're a no show. I'm a dead man, he said, I'll be there. Then it was also the sons of the prophets. They would tease Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2 and say, don't you know that your master's gonna be taken up from you? He'd say, I know it. Hold your peace. And leave me alone about it. Elijah was the second man in history to, to be taken to heaven without ever seeing death. You know, Enoch was the first. He walked with God and was not, for God took him. God translated him, the writer, in the New Testament said, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him in Genesis 5 and 4, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went from Elisha from Gilgal. That's in 2 Kings 2 and verse 1. But try as he would, he could not discourage Elisha from following him. Three times at Gilgal, at Bethel, and at Jericho, Brother Brian preached on that the last two nights at camp meeting. Elijah asked his companion to stay behind, but three times Elisha Responded As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Yeah, right. It seems that Elijah was given to the persistence of Elisha. Okay, if you must. But it's a thrilling experience for Elisha to go to Gilgal. The word Gilgal means a, a rolling away. He must have seen the 12 stones that the children of Israel had placed there for a memorial to their children at Israel's crossing of the Jordan River on dry ground. But to to remain at Gilgal is just a relic of the past. I'm glad that for the day that God rolled the reproach off of my life. Thank God for the day's sake and roll the reproach of my sin off of me. I wanna tell you if you've never experienced what that's like, if you're still living with that reproach and with that guilt and with that shame, you'll never know the peace of God that passes all understanding. You need to bow at the feet of Jesus uh, and you need to ask him to save your sin, wretched soul and the Lord will take away all the reproach, uh, all the shame and all the guilt uh, and it'll roll off of you. Hallelujah. At Gilgal, he said, I'm gonna roll off of you all the reproach uh, of Egypt. Uh, Egypt's no longer a part of my life. Egypt should no longer be a part of your life. you talk to Brother Steve about how he got that hook on his arm. He can testify to you. The difference is he does it with no reproach. That's not who he is anymore. He's not engaged in those activities anymore. And the reproach of that former life is gone. He only testifies it now under the glory of God. If you don't know what it feels like to have the reproach of your sinful pass. I roll off of you then ask somebody. One writer said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half has yet to be told. Listen, you can live on that experience for a while, but if you're going to continue on with God, God won't stay there. He's a God on the move. Always has been. God's up to something. God's doing something. He's not in heaven tonight twiddling his thumbs. Do you know God's always talking? God's always speaking. God's always working. Heaven's not boring. The kingdom of God is not inactive. The church is not dead. And God and the Holy Ghost is on the move. The days of miracle aren't past. You can live in the past if you want to. But I got saved 27 years ago and I can't just always live in the past. I've got to have something current. I've got to have something up to date. Many Christians are doing just that. They've lost the freshness of their experience and now they live in the memory of what it was when they got saved all those years ago. If you stop at Gilgal, you're stopping short of God's best for your life. Gilgal's a must. Gilgal's a wonderful experience, but you can't just stay there the rest of your life. He said, I'm leaving Gilgal and I'm going on to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Every man who searches for a deeper experience in in Christ will have his heart close to the house of God. David said, Psalms 122 and verse one, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Something's wrong with you and something would be wrong with me if there's no desire for the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Not only do I crave his presence, I also crave your fellowship. Even some of the sons of the prophets and the theological students had tried to discourage Elisha by saying, In 2 Kings 2 and 5, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? His only answer was yes, I know it. Hold your peace. He seemed to say, regardless of what happens, I am hungry for a deeper experience. Regardless of what happens, I need to touch God. I need more of what I have. They departed from Bethel and went to Jericho. You see, when God puts in you a love for this house, that, that that's not it. I'm glad you're coming to church, but it's gotta be more than that. It's gotta be more than just a desire to be in the house of God. God still wants to do something deeper than that. They left Bethel. He said, I'm leaving Bethel, you can stay here. Hey, it was a good place where God rolled the reproach off of you. You, stood, you. you you could have stayed there. But now this uh, the, the, this church, man, this is a powerful church here at Bethel. This is a house where God put his name. It was a place where Jacob first had an encounter with God. It was steeped in history. If I were you, I would never leave this place. This is a good place for you to stay and grow roots. He said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives uh, and my soul lives, uh, I'm going where you go. Right. Amen. He said, I want Jericho. I'm going to Jericho, it means, Jericho means a pleasant place again. They couldn't hold Elisha back. They couldn't cause him to stay. Why should we stop short of all that God has for us? Why not go all the way with God? I, people born again, they're gonna go to heaven. People's born again, and I'm not saying they're not even seeking for, they are seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hey, there's just something about me in a, a halfway. Could you imagine if I told you I want to go out to the Midwest and I want to see the Grand Canyon? And I got as far as, I don't know, Texas. And I just turned around. And they say, Well, did you see it? Was it beautiful? Nah. I got as far as Texas. I turned around and come on back. What'd you do that for? Somebody told me, man, you halfway there. That's good enough. Mm. Come on. You'd think I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think, man, you went all that way and didn't even go all the way to experience it. i never experienced it. I want to see it. It's on my bucket list. One of the things that I want to see. I want to experience it. Just to say what Caleb seen it. Brother Glenn seen it. I ain't never seen it. But I can tell you, if I was on my journey to go see it, I'd never stop halfway and turn around and come back. Right. Right. Yeah. Just because somebody told me, hey man, you have gone halfway, that's good enough. Sorry, if I have to go on by myself, I'm going all the way. Right. Yeah. Kind of like this. Uh, journey I feel like I'm on. I've read the book of Acts. My, didn't they have a revival? Didn't they experience the power of God? I've read about the Azusa Street revival that was in our nation at the turn of the century. My, didn't they have revival and see a move of God? I heard about the revival of the 40s, the late 40s and early 50s right here in our land that produced the likes of Gail Jackson, Jack Cohen, Oral Roberts, uh, men of which would throw up those large tents uh, and and, and preach the gospel with an emphasis on healing it seemed. Everything that came under those tents uh, just about would get uh, healed. Brother, uh, a drum came through the a man that won us to the Lord, he came through during that time. That was the heyday of his ministry and he was on a, a, a lay minister's team there that traveled with Jack Cole. Thousands and countless thousands of people were healed under that ministry and he had an unbelievable faith. If you needed God for healing, it just seemed uh, that that was uh, an expected thing for that man of God. It was a common ground for him. He just had an extraordinary type faith uh, to, to see healing. I'll never forget a story. He told me, he said, took a, I felt God call me to preach and felt led of the Lord the pastor and I went to the presbyter there in Louisiana where we were from and he said, I told the presbyter, I want a church that no other preacher wants. And he said, the pa- the presbyter smiled real big. He said, I've got just the church for you. Right. <laughs> he said, we went to a church and it was just uh, almost disbanded, just several members there. And he said, I, I I talked to one of the deacons that was still there attending. And he said, listen, he said, we got to start somewhere Trying to win people to the Lord. We may as well start in our own homes, in our own household. He said, I notice it's just you and your wife. I've heard you speak about your children. He said, Your children aren't saved. He said, Well, we've got one daughter, son in law, and some grandkids. He said, but no, my daughter's not saved. She's uh, grew up in this church and experienced some hurt and the church busted up. She told me, dad, that ain't for me. I'll, I'll never be back. Don't care anything about going to church anymore. He said, we just can't win her to the Lord. He said, well, let's go visit her today. And he said, well, we'll go visit her, but she's hard. She's hard hearted. And me and her mom came to, she won't even let us talk to her about the Lord, and they went out there, and he said, we drove up, come down old dusty dirt driveway, and she seen them, you know, driving up, she steps out on the porch, didn't know whose car it was, and. Out Brother Drum steps uh, the new pastor and her dad's on the other side. She smiles and said, hey dad, who you got with you? And he said, darling, this is our new pastor. He wanted to meet you. She smiled real big and she said, another one, huh? He said, yeah, I know. But this is our new pastor and he wanted to meet you. She said, you're wasting your breath on me, preacher. You're wasting your time. He said, well, I just want to talk to you. She said, you can't tell me nothing that I didn't grow up hearing. I know you're gonna tell me the Lord loves me. and I need to be saved and Jesus is coming and all of that. She said, I've heard all of that. I just don't want anything to do with that church. I'm not coming back ever. He said, is there nothing I can do to convince you to change your mind? She said, "I'll tell you what." In her mind, she's thinking, "If you can do something I know you can't do, then uh, yeah, you can change my mind." She said, "Tell you what, my husband loves to coon hunt. Said he's the uh, number one coon dog that's won the state championship in those competitions. Uh, he he's literally he's come down sick and." for a person to be on their deathbed but uh, said we're on a death watch for that dog. Uh, He's about to grieve himself to death uh, watching that dog die. It's been about two days now. He won't eat. uh, He won't drink. Uh, She said you want to pray for somebody? You go back there and pray for my husband's old coon dog and if God can raise that coon dog up uh, you'll have my attention and my husband's attention and we'll see you at church on Sunday morning. This is old brother Drum that's been traveling with that evangelist Jack Cole underneath that tin and he's watched God do unbelievable miracles. Uh, he looked at the deacon and uh, he said, well that's easy for God. I thought she was going to ask me to do something really hard. He said, that's no problem for God. He said, come on back here let's go pray for that coon dog. He walked back there in the backyard. Old dog was a rack of ribs. Uh, he's laying there half in the dog house and half outside. He's panting. He's, he, he's, you know, soon to die. He walked out there, called the dog's name. No response. Uh, dog's just panting. Dying, he pats him on the head, no response. Uh, he just said, well, let's get down to business. Uh, he stretched his hand toward heaven. Tear rolled down his face, he said. So he called that daughter's name. He said, Lord, you heard what she said. Husband loves this dog more than anything else in this world. All you gotta do is get this dog up off his deathbed. Get this dog out of this sick state. Heal this old coon dog. And I, I'm asking you for her soul and the soul of her husband and the soul of their children. I wanna see them saved. And if all it costs you, Lord, is to raise this coon dog up, then that's what Jesus uh, bled and died for. He said, underneath my old uh, outstretched hand, he said that old rack of bones, that old pan coon dog lifted his old head up pulled his weak trembling body up off the ground, stretched his head up toward the sky, almost like he was looking at the Lord and said, Oh! Put his head down in the water bowl, started drinking, reached over in the feed bowl and started eating. Husband came home, he said, about the time that coon dog hollered, said I turned around. Deacon's daughter standing there, tears streaming down both cheeks, and said, "I don't believe what I just seen." He said, "Well, tell your husband we start church at nine forty-five. Sunday school on Sunday morning, ten forty-five worship. I expect you to be there, and I want God to save you." Said they showed up that Sunday, and God saved the whole lot of them. I'm just telling you, during, during those 40s and 50s, underneath, underneath such men of God, he'd tell me stories. Uh, he said, I was uh, working as a, as a salesman in this, uh, in this store, this retail store in New Orleans. That's where they were from. And, and he spoke with that old French accent like uh, nobody else I've ever heard. But he said, I was a retail salesman there, You know, when I wasn't pastoring and he he said a woman collapsed, I don't know what happened to her, heart attack or whatever, she collapsed. Uh, She she wasn't breathing, she had no pulse. Uh, He said she had died there in the floor. People were panicking crying back in those days you didn't have cell phones. It, it was a hard thing to find a phone right off hand to call and try to get some kind of ambulance to come get her. He said all I knew to do was to hit my knee as a new convert full of the Holy Ghost. I stretched my hand out over that lady and asked the Lord to heal her and to spare her life. He said up she sat. God raised her from the dead. He said you know what reward I got for that for praying in public like I did speaking in other tongues. They fired me off my job. He said, but I got me a hug from that sweet lady that God raised from the dead and I called myself blessed for it. Hallelujah! That's the kind of man that won me to the Lord. And before he died, he's going to the nursing home. You gotta sell everything to live in a nursing home. You can't have a car. You can't have a a house to live in. You gotta give them everything you got. And he did. He said, Sunday's gonna be my last service. I wanna go early with you. I need to hear from heaven. I'm gonna live the rest of my life in a nursing home. I gotta hear God. I need to hear the Lord speak to my heart. I gotta know I'm doing the right thing. His wife had had a stroke and he couldn't stand being separated from her. I'm going to live with her in the nursing home. We came early. He knelt and prayed for a while. After about an hour, people started coming in. He got up sat down on the pew, took his handkerchief out, wiped tears off his face, and he said, I heard from heaven tonight I'll be okay to go into the nursing home, and I said to him while people still weren't there, I said, Brother Trump, what did the Lord, he's a giant to me, a giant of the faith, I said what did God say to you tonight? He said, the Lord said unto me, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee a crown of life hey hallelujah to God he he hugged my neck he said my journey's uh, over yours is just starting I want to hear great things uh, about you while I'm in the city Mm -hmm. hallelujah 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 you see what he was doing don't you He's setting the boundaries. He's setting the parameter. He's setting the bar high. Stop short of that. You're going to settle for nothing when that man has stories of laying hands on the dead, laying hands on a coon dog just to win the owner. You're going to stop short of that. It's just a little dabble, do you? Just seeing how fly away. Is that enough? Or do you want the touch of God? shake your city. Do you want to reach your world for God Almighty? I've read about the Azusa Street, about the revival in the 40s and 50s. I'm telling you, I want, I'm not saying I want it from me, but I want them to write a book about us. I want our children and our grandchildren to have some kind of story where you're involved, where you prayed the fire down, where you laid your hands on the sick. he said I ain't staying here I'm going all the way nobody's gonna stop me if you don't have that persistence I'm not saying you'll quit I'm not saying you're gonna fall out of the church I'm not even saying that if you stay on at Bethel and don't go all the way to Jericho that you're not gonna make the rapture make it in the city And I'm saying, why would you settle for anything less than all God has for you? It can be detected in the walk of a man or a woman that's been touched by the Almighty if he or she has a double portion of the spirit. Galatians 5 and 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Few people are willing to pay the full price for this double portion. While the scripture reads, and they too, 2 Kings 2 and 6, and they too, Elijah and Elisha went on. Woo! That that blesses me. They too went on. The next verse tells us 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood the view afar off. Yeah. They were interested onlookers, but only Elijah and Elisha walked with God. Yeah. We've got a lot of people today that are Pentecostal spectators, interested onlookers who stand and view from afar off, but they're not gonna fast a meal. They're not gonna be persistent in their walk Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're gonna pray just enough to get by and appease their own conscience. That ain't what I'm after. They're not hostile to the the Pentecostal doctrine to this experience of power, no, not at all. Yet they don't go on with God like these 50 other students, they want to witness something supernatural and miraculous, yet keep their distance. They wanna be a part uh, in, in, as far as, uh, I was there when it happened, I seen it happen, I belong to that church, I'm one of them. Oh, but by God, when I got saved, I'd watch Brother Tim preach, old oh, Brother Kenny Marsh would come and preach, Brother Dale Turner would come and preach, Brother Brian McDonald would come and preach. I moved from the toward the back uh, all the way up to the front. Uh, Somebody said, you need to be back there with your wife. I told them, you've been in this your whole life. Uh, I just got saved. Whatever's in those men, whatever they're feeling uh, when they're shaking and gyrating around, whatever's coursing through their veins, uh, I want it, Uh, I'm drawn to it, Uh, I feel like uh, I need that. I want that. I wasn't wanting their anointing. I didn't want their ministry. I didn't want their calling. I didn't want their church. I wanted their God. Woo, hallelujah to God. I said I wanted their God. Can I walk with you for a while? Can I talk with you for a while? It was a few years ago, Brother Shortridge was preaching the the nights of our camp meeting brother. Kevin Casillas from over in Jacksonville was, he drove over and was with us that week I forget who was preaching the mornings but Brother Shortridge was at night Kevin would come every morning to the prayer meeting Oh Brother Shortridge sat right there where Brother Adam's at he just sat there just sat up right you know handkerchief in his hand just sitting up right staring at that wall or with his eyes closed. He just talked with God. Just sit there and pray for a solid hour, sometimes an hour and a half. Just never stop. Just praying. <laughs> oh, Kevin Casillas come to me at the end of the week. He said, my God, this has been good for me. He said, this camp meeting's changed my life. I said, praise God. And I thought he was talking about the services. He said, service has been good. He said, In prayer meetings in the morning, he said, I just eased in there and sat behind old brother Shortridge. He said, I never said a word all week. I just listened to that man pray. He said, tears run down my face. He said, he get through praying, I say, God, everything he said, that's what I want. What you're doing in that man, I want you to do that in me. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can tell if you ever talked to Brother Steve or Sister Nita long enough, you can tell there's a little bit of that in old mama, you know Sister Nita's mom. And now said, there's a little bit of that in granny. Oh God, that prayer life, that walk with God, that experience with God. Lord, let me have that for myself. One day, Granny's gonna be gone. One day, Mama and Dad. Shortcut to my glory. This is the way. Walk in it, saith God. I have called you to follow in my footsteps, that even as I have walked in the earth, so you should walk in my steps. A servant is not greater than his master. If I have suffered, then likewise you will also suffer. But as I be glorified by my Father, then my Father will also be glorified in me as you know my power, as you experience my touch, and as you walk in my anointing. Look to me this night, saith the Lord. Do not look to the right or to the left for that is not the path that I have chosen for you. This way is straight, and this gate is narrow. My way is the way that leads to the cross. It is a way of self-denial. It is a way of suffering and sorrow and grief. But this way, is my pathway to glory, and I have ordained you to walk in it, saith God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kirsten, if you come help me, this persistence. I haven't even gotten to point number two, which is where I really prayed about desire. This persistence. There's just no shortcut to this glory. It's just no other way. God has set something, if it be the person of Christ, as you've read him in the Bible and you've heard him preached. Heard him taught in Sunday school or children's church. God has sent something or either someone in front of you. He's ordained you to walk in power, to walk in fullness. And it will require of you a persistence that few other people are willing to endure This is a road where all of your friends and all of your buddies maybe won't be willing to walk with you. I'm going to tell you this. I've seen him. That is, by faith, with the eye of faith, I've beheld my Savior high and lifted up, raised from the dead, glorified and sitting at the Father's right hand. Whoever lives to make intercession for me, and he's given unto me every precious promise. He's given to me every good gift, every good and every perfect gift. He's praying for me tonight that I would walk in fullness. He's praying for me tonight that I would experience Holy Ghost and power. He's praying for me tonight that I would reach my generation. He's praying for me tonight that that I would be his witness in the earth as Elijah was while he was in the earth. Elijah was a man of like passions like we are. He prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't for the space of three and a half years, why? So God could deal with a backslidden nation that they should repent. Then he prayed again that it would rain and it did. We're God's witness in the earth. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. God's calling us to be such men and such women. We're on the path to power. God said it'll require persistence on your part, not to settle for anything less and not to stop short of all he has for you. You have to press, press to get past to get past Gilgal, press to get past Bethel. Press your way on through Jericho. Press your way beyond where you've ever been with God before. Renew your altar, renew your commitment, renew your vows. Take hold of him tonight and say like Jacob of old, I won't turn you loose till you bless me. But I will have this double portion. I will have your touch. I will know your power. I will walk in your anointing. My children and my grandchildren will bear record that I walk with God. That's your testimony. Would you meet me in this altar tonight? It's your desire to to touch him. Meet me in this altar tonight. It's your desire to taste and see for your very own self that the Lord, he's good. Meet me in this altar tonight. You desire more than you've ever possessed with God before. You're tired of the same old experience you've tried to live off of in years past. Meet me.